0: Well, day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Make comment firstly. Thanks for everybody's flexibility in the last couple of weeks with changing things up. As many of you know, um, as Taryn announced, we're not usually supposed to be meeting on the first Sunday of the month, but there's some scheduling conflicts happening at PCYC. It's great that we can be adaptable and we can change those things up. I hope you did have a wonderful Sabbath weekend last weekend. Quick shout out Did anyone do anything special, anything out of the ordinary? well,
1: that doesn't sound like the Sabbath to one day.
0: The Burks last week, we, because obviously you'll recall that it was very wet, we had lots of rain, Don't even tell you that, but we decided on Sunday stuff that we we're gonna go for a bush." Get out, we wanted to go camping, we checked the rain jackets on, we got about a kilometer down the track, and then we looked down at our ankles to see there must have been 20 or 30 litres. on each of our ankles. And it gets worse, all right? Uh, we got home later that afternoon, thinking that we had ridded
1: ourselves. Yeah. All
0: We're sitting at the lunch table and a giant <laughs> leash falls out of Hannah's ear yeah. onto the dining yeah. table at full girth. You know, this thing is just about feasting for hours. Um, and so that was our attempt to really recreate and then push. Um, but it's one that I'll have to very much convince our children to have a go at um, but as those of you who uh, are part of Oak City would know, and if you're joining us today, that's wonderful, we've been spending, uh, or at least we are focusing to spend 2022 on uh, practicing the ways of Jesus, where we're very much going to look at how did Jesus live out of a rhythm of being with the Father in community and to bring and be the good news of Jesus to the world around us. Um, and of course, he did this in his own rhythms, but he also did this in the way that he led people towards the kingdom how people are able to do that in a very simple, reproducible, practical way to become apprentices of the kingdom. Um, And like I said, I'm about to get Debbie up in a moment to read our reading, but also I've got an exciting question for Debbie too, because um, as we announced at the start of this year, we are aiming at the start of each quarter to just have a four-week online Zoom where people can just come and be more involved. we are, uh, are very aware that it's not just about teaching this stuff, it's also about putting yourself in little kind of what we call clusters to learn more about this and to practice it and to be held to account for it. Us Christians don't always like accountability, it's a bit scary. But like to actually ask those hard questions of how are you doing this in your world, alright? So Debs, I'm going to get you to come up and give us our reading and then I'm just going to ask you to share, just for a moment or two, how
1: did you find the last four weeks? Good okay. Jesus announced the good news. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come in. I'm really having to learn to be curious about everyone around me and about what people are talking about and, and asking questions. Asking those hard questions, which is really hard, up. and that chicken wire tricks me a lot, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I had a great I had a great um, little experience in at Sevo in Woolies. I've got my groceries, putting the groceries out. And I've got an eight-pack of toilet paper and the other lady in front of me, she had a big packet, and I said, oh, I'm just learning to live on my own. She said, and she said well, I could get a big packet because I was coming around again. <laughs> so I ran off from to toilet and changed the door and came back. And I said, oh, thanks for that. And um, she said, oh, I'm on my own now, too. And my kids have all left, and I said, oh, my kids have all left, too. And she said, oh, I've lost my husband, I said, I've lost my husband too. And we just, uh, we were just having a chit-chat, and, she said, "Look, my name's here. Here's my number. I want you to take my number, and we'll have coffee. And any time you want to be me, it was such a beautiful moment. And it was—we were curious about each other. We wanted to know each other. Amazing. And that's something I don't even know. So how curious would we be? People that we do know, and we know love us. And I thought." Let's give Debbie a
0: round. One of the big things that we're gonna jump into this morning, and I think that Debbie's just said very beautifully, is that God is at work all around us. He's always at work, he's just a, a breath away, and often it's about shifting our gaze Lord, where are you at work? And so my invitation as we learn to turn to it this year, in a couple of weeks, and we we'll advertise to start date soon, is that this stuff around being a disciple and making disciples is actually so simple. And sadly, sometimes we really overcomplicate it and we make everyone intimidated and go, how on earth do we want to do that? But as David's just without a share, God is at work all around us. And each and every one of us can do it. It's not the super Christians, it's not the people who have been in church for 10 years, It's actually just those who go, Lord, I'm open and available. And so we would just want to kind of, particularly as we jump into this morning, Um, uh, say that again. I'm looking forward to that. And
1: as we tune in on particularly this verse that Debbie read to us this
0: morning, repent and believe. I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, I kind of, uh, I kind of hesitate. I pull back and I'm like, that sounds like very harsh language. That sounds like something that those loopy fundamentalists would say. That sounds like, you know, a sign out in front of some sort of demonstration that makes me feel very uncomfortable. But we're going to jump into the context of what Jesus was saying here, and particularly the invitation for each and every one of us to be aware of God being at work all around us. Now, the context is this. Of course, we're reading from the Gospel of Mark. Um, The Gospel of Mark is probably the most linear, succinct gospel of the four gospels. Um, Jesus has just come onto the scene. This is right at the start of Mark's gospel. Um, And particularly Mark in his version of Jesus' life just jumps straight into it. There's no genealogy. There's no Jesus as a child. There's none of that stuff. He just jumps straight into John the Baptist being on the scene, who is his cousin. It's important for us to know that that Jesus already had a network there. And Jesus is coming in onto the scene of the, the kind of... John is preparing the way, and this is kind of like Jesus' ministry inauguration. These were his first recorded words in the Gospel of Mark. Now, of course, they may not have been Jesus' first words to these people. There's a great life with him been hanging around with him for a good deal of time. they had started to hear about who he was, how he was related to John, and the things that he was beginning to say about himself. But these were the first recorded words. In, in Luke he says this amazing statement the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And he goes on as the Holy Spirit is threatening to knock down all our signs this morning. I can see Jeff sitting on the reading, ready to jump out and stop it. I appreciate that Jeff. But he, he, he opens with those words. But in Mark's gospel he talks about um, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. Let me read it again for us. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, first and foremost, if you get anything from this morning, I want us to hear as a church that, that God's kingdom is near to us. It is not far off. It is not to be earned. It is freely available and present to each and every person on planet Earth. And sometimes if we've grown up in church and we have this false misconception about when we can't think, unless I've kind of ticked A, B, and C, that's far off, it's not available. Jesus is saying it is near. It is closer than our very breath. And the word that is actually used here in verse 15, that the time has come, is the word kairos. Now, for some of you who may have been around um, church for a little while, you've probably heard that. And pretty much what it means is that God's divine initiative is breaking through. Usually we live in chronos time, which is what the Greek would call effectively chronological time. We go from A to B, but kairos time is that moment where God breaks into our very present. And we think it's out there. We think that it's you know far off from us. But what Jesus is saying, even in his opening statement to these disciples, is that the kingdom of God is here and it is now. Um, it's kind of like, I'm sure if we were to think back to moments of great significance in our life, it's kind of like, when you just feel like the moment is shattered, you know, in a good way, you, you feel like something just comes into present of being, it is now. Now, maybe a great example that got everybody's attention this week was Will Smith, all right? <laughs> that was just kind of blew up the internet and it was like something was spoken to and everyone has an opinion. I won't go into that right now. But Jesus was talking about those moments in our life and in the corporate life of the church and in God's history of his purposes breaking through. Of being here and now. And often, can I say, friends, it's a lot messier and a lot more normal than we would dare to think. Sometimes we think it's like angels rocking up, and I love what Tara said before, you know, that the angels are worshipping, but sometimes we're like, oh, God, we're waiting clouds to park, and for the angels to walk up and join us this morning, but God's kingdom is breaking through, often in the very normal and the very average. I'm sure for those of us in this room who may have been following Jesus for a time, there's probably moments particularly in our early faith where it feels like we can just hear God so vividly, where it feels like that first moment right and actually, what Jesus is saying, of course, to these bunch of raggedy disciples who are still working out what on earth they were being called to, it is the same for us now. The kingdom of God is near. And I would just want us, even as a church, to get our head around that it's not often the disappointment, I've said it several times now, but God's kingdom is freely available here and now.
1: And the reasons this is so significant is
0: obviously Jesus was and is God. He is the son of God. He is sent of God. But God's mode of operation has not changed. He's wanting us to get our heads around the fact that it is the kingdom of God is near. And when we hear God speak, obviously Jesus is rocking up on the scenes of these disciples. But when we hear God speak, even in 2022, which he does, and we could do it, and hopefully we will do at some point, of how do we hear God's voice, it then becomes our responsibility, as disciples of Jesus in 2022, to hear, to discern, and ultimately then to do something about it, to put it into action. And that, you know, like I've just mentioned, starts with that fundamental belief that God wants to speak to us today. That's why we create space as part of worship, and gathering together at God's turn, and go, who's God speaking to us today? And of course, sometimes that's gonna be very personal. Sometimes that's gonna be encouragement for everybody. But part of the reason that so few of us hear God's voice in the day-to-day, and sometimes, I think, as followers of Jesus, we can, we can look to our neighbour and go, why does that person um, seem to hear God's voice more easily, or uh, it seems like they're walking in something that I, I kind of struggle with. Part of the reason that us struggle to hear God's voice is because God doesn't yell. He tends to only ever whisper. And the reason that God whispers is because to hear someone whispering, we need to go close. We need to come close to that person. It's like when you know, one of my kids comes up to my knee and is trying to say something because they're, they're shy, it's they'll, they'll whisper, I need to lean down. And it's exactly like that with our relationship with God. But often, he will whisper to us. And He is, he is looking for, for, for followers who will, who will still themselves, who will be silent. Who will not always feel like they need to speak at him or consume their, their, their days or their Netflix or you know, a bunch of other things that are wonderful, but ultimately to prioritize the voice of Jesus. And if I could just be so direct as to say, each and every one of us have the same 24 hours in every day. Like, I don't have more time than Taryn or than Lucy. We have each got that same 24 hours in every day. And we do have that opportunity if we choose to, to actually begin to commit time to God, go I don't just want to fill up my life with other things. I want to hear what you are saying. Now, to break it down a little bit further, to jump into some of the words that Jesus uses just in these two verses. We're not going any further than these two verses today. The kingdom of God. Now, if you've been around City for a little while, you would have heard us talk plenty about the kingdom of God. Pretty much the kingdom of God is, is God's rule and reign. Um, N.T. Wright says that wherever a place is, is lived with Jesus as King. Not just with our, with our mouths, but actually in our hearts and with our lives. The Kingdom of God is here. There's a, there's a degree of sovereignty about it. I'm, I'm, not a, a, you know, I'm not committed to the British Royal Family. If the Queen walked in, we would maybe bow, with, you know, like, the Queen is here. But it's actually my life is lived for the King. Uh, the Gospel, in its simplest form means the good news. The good news, friends, the, the euangelion, the, the, the proclamation of the good news, that relationship with God is freely available for each and every one of us. Um, I remember Jess's grandmother saying that if it's not the good news, it's not the good news. Now, that sounds like a really simple statement. But for many people, we kind of we may have experienced that the, the, the good news of Jesus as, as really bad news. And of course, there's a degree to which Jesus always spoke in grace and truth. But but we always lead with the good news friends. It's always the good news first. Now here's the word that I think many of us work at, and maybe we've heard um, on the news or, or seen in very kind of uncomfortable ways, repent. Now repentance is kind of has these connotations of dead or bad. Actually, repentance, the, the Greek word metanoia literally just to align one's mind, to change one's mind for the purposes of God. Each and every one of us can do that right here and right now. That is not, of course, the great examples of the Old Testament of, of sackcloth and ashes and all kinds of stuff like that. But repent literally just means align your thinking to the ways of kingdom. And, and I don't know about you, but particularly in my following of Jesus, there are some days where I need to do that dozens of times. That didn't just happen when I started to follow Jesus 15 years ago. It happened each and every day. And so when we get our head around the fact that Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is near, I want want to constantly align myself to God. I want to constantly say, oh, Lord, I want to live in your purpose. I want to do your will." And sometimes that means aligning my thinking, realigning, rather, my thinking again. And the last word that really jumps out here is that word believe. Word, the Greek word pisteo, which means to put your trust in. When we, when we often hear the word belief in a Western context, we think it is purely an intellectual concept. Oh yeah, I kind of believe that. But Jesus was saying, would you put your trust in? So it's like when you come before a bridge, I put my trust, I put my faith in this thing that I'm not going down here. <laughs> would you put your life's trust in the kingdom of and the reason that Jesus can say that is because it can be trusted. He was a living, breathing example of that. And the invitation for us as disciples is to put our trust in Jesus, to put our trust in the kingdom. Now, Charlie, you're saying that we're spending a whole week just on those final words. Well, the reason this is so important is for a couple of things that I just want to bring to our attention. Um, let me put a diagram up there for us. And I might just give us a moment to, to look at that. I'm going to explain that in a moment. Don't worry, we are not doing algebra. This is not something fancy that we are bringing. This is just a really helpful diagram to get us to think about when God speaks, when a Kairos moment occurs. So, imagining we are just on chronos time here, chronological time, but God speaks to us. If we have the ears to see, beg your pardon, the ears to hear and the eyes to see, an openness to God speaking into our very present, and Jesus says, "Repent and believe." Right. And so, what happens by way of repentance is we are actually going, "Oh Lord, I've realised that I've, maybe I've been wrong, and I've realised that your because of your kindness."
1: You know, the old testament is, is
0: it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not God's anger at us. It's His kindness. He wants us to live out of that place of His goodness and love and mercy for us. But actually, as I, I think about that, I go, oh, yeah. as I as I observe, as I reflect. And as I actually discover again my heart, I want to to change the way that I live. Because of that realisation, that high moment, I want to change the way that I go out living my life for Jesus. And that's where it becomes belief, we actually put our trust in this thing. It's not just, oh yeah, Charlie gave a a kind of six out of ten message on Sunday, let's just get on with our life. It's actually, Lord, what were you speaking to me? And then how can I live out of that place of actually believing the words that spoken to me? And that and, and that's where it requires a bit of accountability, friends. Now we've talked about this a little bit at Oak City, that, that following Jesus is invitation and challenge. Now we all love the invitation part. Oh yeah, great, we're going on an adventure. But when it gets hard, when it gets tough, when the leeches start munching at my ankles, you know, when when there's things that no. I don't like about this following Jesus thing. We're pretty happy just to go back. We're pretty happy just to revert back to. Oh no, I, I, I you know, I'm going to forget about what once spoke for me and just continue to live my own way. That's why the accountability part, the challenge part, is so very important. Not because God doesn't want you to, you know, A, B, and C, but actually because God wants what is best for you. And Jesus was the master of this. He was constantly placing his disciples in situations where they would go out, come back, go out, come back, where he would challenge them to go and put something into action, and they would come back and he would debrief, and they would talk about it, and they would celebrate the good things, he would challenge the hard things. Jesus was constantly doing that, and that's why at that point where he, um, you know, was, as we're going to celebrate soon, died upon the cross, was resurrected and then went to be with the Father, he knew that the kingdom was in good hands because they had done a lot of going out and sending back. He'd done a lot of debriefing with them. He'd done a lot of invitation and challenge. And that's why even for us as a church, when we go out throughout the week as of Jesus, really when we come together on an hour on Sunday, it's just meant to be the cherry on top. That's all the church is ever meant to be, is disciples gathering together. Celebrate, teaching, challenge about God. Where are you at work in my week? That is the cake fact. That is the big old chocolate cake that is following Jesus. And when we get together, we get to do something together that we, we celebrate that God has been doing in our lives. individually. God's kingdom glides on us. I truly believe in this moment, this cultural moment in human history where the world has learnt so much about itself. In the last two years in particular, but way back since Jesus gave us the Great Commission, it is about God, what are you are saying to me, what am I going to do about it, and how can I practice it in community? And really, for, for those who claim allegiance to Jesus, say, I want to hear your voice above any other voice, and I want to follow it, and I want to put it into practice. And no matter where you're at on that journey, whether you're not even a follower of Jesus, you're, you're invited into doing that with training. Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, um, you can do, that's still the same possible challenge today. Well, what are you speaking to today? Really, that's, that's what the, each and every person come, you know, is part of any church that calls Jesus the Lord. Is the practice of. It. Jesus, what are you saying to us? And how can we be obedient to it?
1: Let me wrap up this morning with just
0: a couple of points as to why this is so very important. For us as a church, but for us as individuals as well. Um, and you know, really that's kind of what I was summarizing just there, guys. Discipleship 101 is God really saying, and what am I going to do about it? How am I going to put it into practice this week? That is something that my hope and prayer will be for us as a church. Each and every one of us slowly but surely can begin to try and answer those questions for ourselves. But why is this important? Firstly, it is a revolu- revolution of everybody gets to play. I just, you know, I'm so excited by the fact that this invitation is not just for certain people, it is for everyone. Um, and part of the great invitation of being a follower of Jesus is that um, you can start anywhere. And really, this is a moment where we can kind of go, God, what do you in worship, in God's Word, in preaching, but also just in our own Monday to Saturday, what are you speaking to me? I just love that, that that is all inclusive. Everyone gets in on that. That's not the super Christians, that's not the preachers or the worship leaders. Um, and the Western Church has a huge amount to answer for it, that. We have kind of been part of creating that where people think that I can't do it. Do you know that we all have that Goliath in our head that is shouting us down? That is saying that you can't do it. But actually, the invitation to follow Jesus these days. These no from the Middle East who went on to be part of God's revolution in the world, because everyone believes they can slowly but surely do it.
1: A guy called Steve Addison, who is a well-known
0: Australian movement dynamic kind of writer, talks about the fact that until discipleship is like soccer, it will not go viral. Now, let me explain that to people who like me who care less about soccer. <laughs>
1: Soccer is not my sport. If it's your sport, no, I'm sorry.
0: Okay. Um, but the reason, and, and even I will admit, the reason that soccer is the world game is because anybody can do it anywhere at any time. You can do it with a can, you can do it with a soccer ball, you can do it with a rolled up bit of newspaper, you can do it with anything that faintly resembles a ball. Now, it is the same for us for the scholars. Anyone can do it, any time, at any place. That is the invitation, as followers of Jesus. That that it's not, oh, do I have to see a theological degree or have I done a twenty-point Bible study? You can do it at any time, any place, anywhere, and that's the invitation. Anyone can hear and respond in obedience to God's kingdom. The second reason why it's important is that some of us have maybe fallen into this trap that close enough is good enough. Now, let me explain that a little bit more. We live in a cultural age where allegiance to the kingdom has become diluted. Our hearts are faintly resembling a Christian life. Now, hear me. God's grace is over and above. But when God speaks, it is upon us as followers of Jesus to be obedient. You don't get to choose what obedience looks like as a follower. You don't get that choice, and I say that in the kindest way possible. But if Jesus is King of His Kingdom, if He is Lord of your life, you don't get to choose what obedience looks like. And I say that in the most loving, friendly way possible to say that if He speaks to then between you and and Jesus, to be obedient. A great example of this is, um, you know, at a, we didn't use a compass um, when we went bushwalking last week. But if you were to be one degree off using a compass, it may seem absolutely fine in the here and now. it's just
1: 100 metres
0: away, you can work it out. But if you are one degree off and you're trying to get 100 kilometres away, you are going to drastically miss the point that you're trying to get to. Jesus is calling us in this moment, and of course in every generation, in every age, to be a to that true in my life of following you. Can I be obedient to that? Yesterday, um, we as a Burke family, we went along to the Western Sydney Zoo. and I've been to the Western Sydney Zoo? A couple of people. Um, we got a, a, a Christmas gift of like an annual membership, which was awesome, we went along. And we had this really cool experience where we were uh, not at the lion enclosure, but near the lion cages. Now, from a distance, looking at a line, you're kind of like, oh, yeah. they're somewhat impressive. But when you stand eye to eye to a line, you go. You, are, you you see the majesty of creation. And, and, and friends, when it comes to our following Jesus, and I love that even in worship today, there was just a sense of holy awe. There was just a sense of God. Would we never go complacent? Would we never, like, think that we can look you in the eyes and just, Damn. But there's actually a sense in which when you look a lion in the eyes, you tremble. You are overcome with, like, a, a good and reasonable fear. And that's the same for us as Jesus. Friends. Like, when we actually, you know, hear God speak to us, that, that holy divine fire of moment, which can seem very normal, but when he speaks to us, what am I going to do about it? It's enough. Is not good enough. And I, and I say that with all the grace of the world to actually chant in our song. And the last two points, and these, these really come back to our evangelistic heart as a church, particularly as we lead into Easter, is that some of us may need to repent around two areas in our lives. The first one is this. God couldn't really save. Now, I don't know about you, and many of you have heard my story. I come from an non christian family. Um, no one else in my media and I, without realising it, over the last decade or so, have started to believe the lie that God couldn't really save atheists, That God couldn't really break into that person's life. You know, we, we read in the New Testament that Saul, who was a terrorist and a persecutor of the church, could be saved. Yet for some reason, I think that someone in my world couldn't be saved. Friends, for me, and I'm speaking on my behalf, this is a realignment point where I need to go, God, I'm speaking I'm, I'm stepping back into your purposes and I'm believing and I'm repenting that actually you could save that person in my life. Particularly around open houses, particularly with Easter around the particularly even just if you're having a relationship with them, God does and will and can save in and through our others towards faith in Jesus. It might just be a repentance moment for you this morning to go, I believe that lie. I believe that lie that that person is too far gone can't happen. And then the last one, and this is, a, this is an absolute huge one for me, is the fear of being. Some of us have grown scared of what others think about us over around what God has asked us to do. Now, now, as a Enneagram 3, I am well-versed with this one. I'm scared about what other people think about me. I'm scared about, oh no. You know whether it be my faith whether it be different things that i have to communicate to people try to impress people the fear of man is really and i'm borrowing somebody else's quote here the fear of man is fear disguising people a lot of us actually think that we know better a lot of us think that we know better than guidance so are there for us and this is just a bit of a holy moment maybe even between you and the lord this morning I may use every other excuse in the world, but am I really just scared of what do? And I'll put my hand up first to say, yeah, I fall into that camp. Now I want to do something a little bit different this morning as we wrap up. As I say, we're going to have a community in just a moment. But I, I kind of want to practice this repent and believe stuff. You can see some training wheels on the screen there. What I'm going to do in just a moment is just to give us one minute, just one minute, and I'm just going to ask that each and every one of us, to wherever you're at, you know, just be still before God and say, God, what are you saying to me? How are you trying to get my attention right now? And so I'm just going to give that minute just to go, Lord. We, we want to hear you today. We want to be obedient to what you're saying. And, and sometimes the best way to do that is just to shut up. Okay, and so we're just going to shut up for a minute. And we're just going to give God space to, to speak to you. And then I'm going to ask you to do something a bit daring, is to turn to someone nearby you, and you don't need to give them your whole life story or anything like that. Maybe what is one word that you could use to summarize what maybe you just felt God speak to you. Now, I don't want you to lie. If you're just sitting there in silence and you don't feel anything, that's fine, okay? We're not having to wind God up, we're just wanting to be dry and be still and hear what God might be saying. And so I'm going to give you 60 seconds, just sit with the Lord, and then you're going to turn to someone next to you and just go, I didn't feel anything, or maybe you did, okay? And then I'm going to lead us in, into prayer to Alright, how about we turn around to just the person nearest again, if you're just sitting there in silence and imagining what you're having for lunch, that's quite okay, but if you (laughs) felt like God said something to you, I'd love you to just kind of have a 60 second conversation, if not, then talk about the local sports team, Alrighty, well I might bring our attention back and if that started off a great conversation I would just warmly encourage you to continue that after we wrap up our formal time here but it seems just like a great opportunity this week particularly when we're talking about repentance and it's a great opportunity every week to celebrate the the Lord's Supper but we're going to do that in a way where the person that you've just been sharing with I would love you to go and receive communion together Um, we've got a kind of bit of a crossing the station up front, and there's also up the back. Um, and you go and grab a bit of bread and and dunk it in the juice. And maybe it's just an opportunity to pray a quick blessing on that other person. But of course, for those who aren't familiar with the Lord's Supper, with communion, that is a way for us as followers of Jesus. We just we like to celebrate physically that the body that we've broken, one, and that's something we as a church like to do often, both in the way that we gather together and in, in receiving those elements. And so I'm going to pray for us both to wrap up our time. And then I'd just like to invite us to go and do that in our twos or threes, or however many, however many we're talking with at the time. And then we're going to come back together. And um, Karen's going to wrap up our time So, Lord, I just want to thank you that your, your kingdom is here. And even for, for those of us, me first amongst all of us, who forget that from day to day, that you are so very close. Your kairos moment, your, your divine initiative and our human response is here and now. The kingdom of heaven is here. We choose this morning, as a church, to repent, to align ourselves again to you, to change our thinking to more like that of the kingdom. And we choose to believe, we choose to trust in the saving work of Jesus upon the cross, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. And we celebrate with followers of Jesus all around the world for thousands of years, the most incredible revolution that Jesus set in action, that the freely available relationship that we can have with God, and the invitation to take that So I thank you, Lord, for each and every person here, what you have spoken to them, even in this moment of silence, and the opportunity to quickly be brief with a brother or sister in Christ. We just commit each and every person this week back to you and your service, and we, yeah, again, see this as a holy moment, together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So at your own leisure, whether up the front or up the back, come and grab a bit of bread. Um, Briefly pray for one another, and then we're going to wrap it